Deuteronomy chapter 4. You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Welcome to Things I Preach to Myself About Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Vane, and in today's episode we look at what map are we using and are we actually following it? I am an overthinker, and I'm also an overplanner. You know how some people can plan a trip, wait until the last minute to pack, and then just head out the door and go? <laughs> well, that's not me. If there's going to be a trip, a vacation, or any such event that's going to take me miles and days, it'll be researched, planned, plotted, organized, laid out, mapped out, and every other activity needed to make sure that there is no missed issue or question. As an example, just to take a three-day trip up to a forested area for hiking, that'll usually take me several days of research as to where to stay, of course after evaluating reviews, looking at pictures, mapping the location, and then booking the room and assuring confirmations. It's going to also require an itinerary for each day as to where to hike, park, and also various places to eat. And this will all be accompanied by copious notes to review over and over again. Next comes the packing. The planning for that will usually begin several days before leaving because I need to make sure I bring enough to cover any situation with weather or breakdowns and have a contingency plan for any emergencies. Thus, when the day arrives to pack, which is usually the day before, all will be ready to put in the suitcase and backpack so there's no guesswork. Now, the vehicle will have already been checked out a couple of days before for tires, gas, fluids, and all the necessary safety and emergency equipment. I mean, even if the drive is only a couple of hours away, why take chances? Now, the day of the departure, review all things one more time before getting in the car and driving off. Now, I know this sounds a little obsessive, a little compulsive, and okay, yeah, it is, but that's, that's beside the point. The thing is, people plan. Some plan simple and spur the moment. Some, like myself, will plan over and over and think it over. But regardless of the method of planning, when it comes to putting your plans in motion, you need to get in and go. All the planning in the world doesn't mean anything unless you get in the car, start the engine, put the vehicle in gear, and drive. Just getting in the car doesn't make a trip. And not putting that vehicle into gear and giving it some gas doesn't make your vacation happen. You have to follow through with the plan. Otherwise, all of your efforts up to that point are meaningless. Now, the same scenario can be said for many who claim themselves believers in the God of the Bible. They say they believe the Bible and have read what it says. They say that they believe in God and Jesus. They might believe in all the stories and the history contained in the book. They might even attend groups that talk about the contents of the book weekly and celebrate some of the quote-unquote holidays they believe are taught from the book. And yet, with all the reading and research and gained knowledge and perceived understanding of the messages within the book, the question remains, are they actually participating in that journey that we are called to take by the writer of the book? 
or are they just sitting in their cars? The plan is already laid out. Whether you're an over-planner or a spur-of-the-moment person, the plan is set in place and the maps are all laid out in front of us. So, have we actually started to go, to walk, to take the journey forward as laid out in the book? Yaakov, also called James, says in chapter 2 of his letter, You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. Believing that the book and all within it are true doesn't guarantee you a successful journey. I believe and even trust completely that the map makers have drawn all the roads and towns on the maps correctly. I have faith in their work, but that doesn't assure me my planned destination. They can only point the direction. I actually have to do the legwork to get there. Sitting on my butt doesn't qualify. It's sad to say that most folks are very content just having the insight and knowledge that God has booked a trip for us, and he spells it out within the covers of his word, the Holy Scriptures. But that's where their journey sits, in the driveway, so to speak. I mean, many might have accepted the travel plans and absolutely love the destination ahead, but most just think that trusting in the map is good enough, that if they believe it's true, that's all that's needed and it'll bring them to the end of the road. Then there are some who are either afraid to start to travel the roadway because they feel overwhelmed and nervous, wondering if they have the capacity to go the distance, or they're feeling pressures from those around them that don't want them to take that particular journey. Some people might favor the destination, but feel that the travel course is too much, possibly too dangerous, and that they're either going to fail or be ostracized by friends and family for even attempting such a path. They would rather just sit in the driveway and pretend that they'll still make it to the destination without ever having to leave the comfort and the safety of the world that they know, staying right where they're at. And yet, like any journey, in order to get anywhere, you have to take this first step away from where you are. You cannot make it to heaven if you never leave your current place. You don't arrive somewhere without ever leaving your starting point. I would never get to those hiking trails if I just stayed in the comforts of my home. No matter how hard I wish or pray or daydream or talk about, I'll never step foot on those trails and experience the beauty and the foliage with all my senses if I never left my current place. Now, all this might sound very simple, very basic, but the reality is that most folks who want heaven don't realize that the Bible clearly tells, uh, no, commands, that we must actively participate in Yahweh Adonai's instructions, his plans, his commands, and his decrees. We are to physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually follow his ways, his paths, his maps, his directions, his instructions. Sitting with a map book in our hands and seeing the destinations isn't going to get you there. Listening to people tell you what the book says doesn't magically teleport you to your destination either. Listening to other people's journeys doesn't get you from your point A to his point B. Only by getting up and actually doing the walk yourself will you get from this life to the next. Now, Shaul, or Paul, 
writes to the believers in Philippi that they are to work out their own deliverance. And Matthew Henry made a comment about this that says we are to work thoroughly at this, that we must be diligent in the use of all means which conduce to our salvation. We must not only work at our salvation by doing something now and then about it, but we must work out our salvation by doing all that is to be done and persevering therein to the end. The course of a believer in Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ, is one of action on our part. It's a journey of diligence and obedience. It is a trek that we must actively participate and walk in every single day of our lives. There's no other way, folks. I am so tired of hearing all these preachers and teachers ramble on about shortcuts and easy walks and happy trails all the time. They make this journey sound easy, but in actuality, they're diminishing the reality of the trek's harshness. This is not a paved path in gold. There's no easy roads. Every step takes effort and energy on our part. Every forward motion requires us to push away the old ways and follow God's ways. This is active obedience on our part. I mean, to think that we can sit back in our laurels and coast into the finish line is one of the biggest lies Western Christianity has perpetrated on people who have either not read the word for themselves or just gleaned their knowledge from what everybody else says. This is called easy believism, which says that all you have to do is say a prayer, you know, the sinner's prayer, and ta-da, you're all good with God. Another aspect of that easy believism is that you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and that, you know, works aren't needed as part of the walk. Yet that is contrary to what the scripture clearly teaches and says. All those in faith actually had to produce fruits. No fruit, no faith. Simple. John, a disciple of Yeshua, wrote in his first letter, chapter 2, this, says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And scripture records the Messiah's own words to his followers in the Gospel of John chapter 14 saying, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So now we ask, what are Yeshua's commands? Well, here's a brief piece of history for you. Yeshua, or as people call Jesus, and his followers, they were all Jews. The people at that time were strict adherents to the Torah, which is the commands of God, given in the first five books of the Bible. And I'll review Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The Torah, which simply means instructions, were given by Yahweh to his chosen people, the Israelites, so that they would be set apart from the other nations. Adonai gave his words of instruction and law to the people so that, through the people of Israel, all nations can be grafted in and walk according to God's ways. God seeks our voluntary worship of him through his instructions to the people of the earth. Now this Torah, the instructions, 
They don't have various options laid out that says, well, this is strictly for the Jews, and this is strictly for the Gentiles. The instructions, the Torah, is for all, given to the Jews to be an example to the rest of the nations or people so that all would come to faith in Yahweh Adonai. There's no distinction between Jew and Gentile when it comes to what Elohim requires the people on earth to walk in obedience to him. It was only through man's alterations of the word of God that there came to be the changes that most folks practice today. Now the Roman emperor Constantine and the Gentile believers in Jesus decided to put away with the Jewishness of Yahweh's words to the Israelites and redirect the word to fit only the new Christian believers. This is all a mix of pagan and Messiah's teaching. Once the temple was gone, the rest of Torah could be diminished or done away with, and this new religion came to be that removed the commands of God altogether. They decided they were no longer applicable, yet nowhere does Messiah or Christ say that they were done away with. Yeshua came to point people back to Torah. His own words in Matthew 5.17 says, Think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I haven't come to destroy but to fulfill. Fulfill means to follow through with, to do, to make it happen. He came to fulfill prophecy about himself. He said he came to seek the lost, which were the Israelites who had drifted away from Torah because they were following man's traditions instead of Elohim's commands. His entire ministry teaching was expounding on the Torah, pointing people back to obedience to Torah. He never said they were ending. He explicitly preached to the people to turn back to that which was initially given to Moses from Yahweh himself. So if Jesus' commands were to follow Torah, then why did the Gentiles and the Roman group do away with it in their new religion? If people say they're following Jesus, and he said to do Torah, then why are they not doing what it says in the scriptures? This is like having the maps spelling out the exact path you're going to take to your destination, but you think that there's a better way and you write out your own little directions, your own map. Does that make any sense at all? When the instructions are clearly laid out for you, why would you go and make up your own? That, in essence, is telling God above that you know a better way. And his ways are too archaic to be followed anymore. Sounds to me a bit like the words that Satan would say. After all, Satan questioned everything about God. He tried to deceive the world to believe something else. And Satan's a master deceiver and the father of the lies. So essentially the devil's done a great job destroying the right path that Elohim has commanded by creating a new path that has a mix of essence of truth and some paganism and some other stuff, but yet nonetheless is still a different road. Proverbs chapter 22, 28 says, Do not remove the ancient boundary which your fathers have set. And Jeremiah 6 says, Thus says Yahweh, Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it, and find for yourselves rest. Jeremiah continues on in verse 16 by saying, But they said, We do not walk in it. Which is what we clearly see going on today. 
the, the Christian religion created back in the third and fourth centuries has evolved from the old paths that Yeshua was trying to point people back to. Even today, there's so much controversy and matters of debate over Scripture because theologians are constantly trying to rectify and justify the various pieces of Scripture that don't seem to quite fit right into their narrative. They take various writings of Paul and twist them to justify their belief system, negating the words of Jesus himself and the commands to follow Torah. They create this works-free theology that lifts responsibility off of the believers from actually having to walk in obedience to Yahweh Adonai's commands. These so-called scholars invented additional assurances to give comfort to people who might feel guilty of sin by telling them slogans like, well, once saved, always saved, or don't worry about any tribulation from God. Believers will be snatched away before that happens. All of these are heresies created by twisting the scriptures to fit our westernized mentality and thinking. All they do is give people false assurances. When in actuality, we should be looking at the word of God through the lens he intended when he gave us his word, his word to the people. So being grafted in means we assimilate ourselves to the root, which was the Jewish faith in Yahweh through his Torah. Being grafted in doesn't mean that the root is changed. And yet the Greco-Roman westernized alterations created a religion that did just that. It removed the core and replaced it with its new thinkings and its new sprinklings of paganism and modernism and ended up really creating a whole new root, so to speak. And as time evolved, so did the religion, which brings us to today. So what we have now is a hybrid mix of Jewish and pagan, sprinkling in with some New Testament philosophy theology that's been modified and modernized to fit various cultures over the centuries. Instead of people adhering to the commands of Yahweh Adonai, folks these days follow the teachings of men who have altered and customized and even deleted his Torah. They follow Jesus and God and Paul and the doctrines and traditions that men made instead of following Yahweh and his Messiah Yeshua and the Torah that was given to the people of Israel for all nations. Deuteronomy chapter 12 says, Our Elohim warns the people of following the pagan practices of the nations around. He says, Be careful not to be ensnared by inquiring about their gods, saying, How do these nations serve their gods? Well, you will do the same. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way, because in worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things that the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices to their gods. See that you do all I command you. Do not add to it or take away from it. Exodus 22 warns, He who sacrifices to any god other than to Adonai alone shall be utterly destroyed. And in Deuteronomy 32 it says, They made him, Yahweh, jealous with strange gods, with abominations that provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons who were not Elohim, to gods whom they have not known, new gods who came lately, whom your fathers did not dread. Folks, it's one thing to want to get to the destination of heaven. 
It's another to invent and follow your own roadmap. Yahweh gave us a map. He didn't create many maps. He gave one map for all people. We have to not only prepare ourselves for the journey, which includes knowing the exact directions we need to get to our destination, but we also have to follow those exact directions as given by the map maker himself. Once we choose to follow the right path, we then need to get up and actually walk the walk. You've heard the term walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Well, numerous times, Yeshua gives us exact instructions of how to follow his Father's map by saying the words, follow me. To follow someone is an action, something we purposefully have to do. We don't follow by sitting on a chair or sitting in a car or sitting in a pew or sitting on our laurels even. We follow by doing exactly what the person we are following is doing. Yeshua followed the Torah and the laws. He walked the Father's path. We are to do the same, step by step, moment by moment, without modifications or changes. We don't follow some of the path. We're to follow the whole path. You see, the map has never changed all these centuries. Now, the disciple Thomas was confused, and he asked Yeshua, Lord, we don't know where we are going, so how can we know the way? And Yeshua said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. There you have it. Thus we have our guide, we have our map, and we have our Messiah. We just have to follow him in all that he said and did. Amen. This has been Things I Preach to Myself About podcast. Again, I'm your host, Rich Vangen, and I thank you for taking the time to listen. And I pray and hope that these words sink deep, that you look into his words, complete, whole. Read the book. Read that map. He gave it to us. Let's know it. Shalom and peace to you all.